0: That at the box office, evidently, this this past weekend, Hocus Pocus was um, like they did a re release of Hocus Pocus and it made almost as much money as Tenet. <laughs> 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 Which, to be fair, Tenet has been very slow and it's in, you know, it's however many weeks. Like it, it's, it's been, in, it's been in for a while and uh, yeah, I don't know, but uh, anyway, yeah, I do think it's funny.
1: It's so weird, but the, this whole year is just the at there's an asterisk connects to everything and, and the, the box office numbers are so strange. It just, it, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you
0: can't count on the box office numbers this year.
1: Um, and, and, and one reason that you can't do that, Dustin, um, is because, uh, they're closing theaters nationwide they are closing theaters. Um I talked about this on the on the, the early show this week, the bonus content that I promised the listeners after the Rocky episode failed. Mm-hmm. Um RIP. And R. uh and so of course the news then was that Cinemark, the owner of Regal, was closing all the Regal um theaters nationwide. And mm-hmm. you know, I again I talked about this fairly recently so we don't have to like get into it, but you know it, it does affect it's it is another thing that's going to affect the box office numbers. I don't even think we should really, you know, I don't think anyone should really pay much attention to those this year and and mostly because one of the reasons they did it is because nothing is getting released released anymore. That yeah. that was a reaction to to MGM Universal pushing back <laughs> uh the Bond movie. Yeah. And I guess they had all met before the the theaters had been like okay, we, we can still we can still make it out of this because we've got bond coming in November. But if yeah. they move that, we're kind of screwed. And then they moved it and they're like, okay, no, we have to yeah. liquidate all the theaters and fire all these people. And then today they announced that uh, Dune is going to be delayed till next year. Dune was going to come out December 18th. Yeah. And I guess and I no think... one considered that, you know, 2020 because it fiscally it was probably going to perform mostly in, in the 2021. I don't know.
0: Sure. Well but, so so that's Warner Brothers yeah. and so is Tenet, right? Yeah. So so undoubtedly they're looking at the Tenet numbers and saying, ah, oh, yeah, we 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 can't release this now." Yeah. And I think that's the same thing. I, I believe if I'm not mistaken last I heard Wonder Woman was supposed to come out in December. And and I'm sure like they've already made like the grand announcement like only in theaters Wonder Woman 1984. Right. So like they'll either like you know, go back on that deal and release it, you know, streaming or, or they'll just wait and like push it back. And I, I would imagine Warner brothers is going to push it back. Cause that's also WB. So like, that's the weird thing is it's kind of like the dominoes fall because like once one of them decides to push back, then they all start pushing back. And bond was one of the first ones to get pushed back. It was like, a very early casualty of of covid where it was like i think it was due out in like march or april yeah and and it was like that and a quiet place too which was re- which was supposed to come out like a you know like a week into yeah, the quarantine it, it was
1: about to it was about to premiere that yeah, week, yeah
0: and and they pushed both of them back and uh, and i remember thinking then like Ah, oh, come on! They we'll be back to normal by by November for bond, and yeah. it's like, and then and then like a few weeks went by, and I was like, oh, uh, oh, oh no! Oh I don't no. think so.
1: <laughs> no, I don't
0: think we will. And and uh, and so yeah, I was just kind of waiting for that to happen. Like you just know, eventually, at some point. It's just not going to work out.
1: It, it isn't. And uh, I mean, even I was like, oh, they're not pushing Black Widow back. So maybe we're mm-hmm. good. And then when they push that, I was like, oh, you know, and, and now, of yeah. course, that was pushed to November and now they're pushing it yeah. back to, to next summer. And I think everyone is now just banking. The only person, the only studio that's gotten this right so far is Universal pushing back F9. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and now, you know, I think everyone is banking on next summer. Like hopefully by then we've got a vaccine or we've got enough people vaccinated or we've got a better way to show theaters to, to social distance in theaters but yeah. but at that point everyone's just like you know what we're we're kind of just done um, with the 2020 year and we have to regroup and focus on making next year profitable or we're yeah. really screwed. You know this might be a
0: conversation like a different conversation like for for a longer form kind of a thing um, and maybe with people who are maybe more knowledgeable than I am, but, but, um, do you think that the theaters will come back in any significant way or, or that they'll, uh, in terms of like how they were or that they'll have to readjust? Because I feel like, like what we've grown up with and what we have experienced over the last few years, especially has to change and it has to be altered. The problem is the studios don't see it that way. Like the studios have no, they have no reason, and especially now as like VODs taking off, they have no reason to say, "Hey, we got to look out for the theaters because that's where we exhibit, right?" So they're gonna get greedy and they're gonna say, "Look, we can do this virtually, so there's no reason for you for us to take care of you." And meanwhile, the theaters are gonna say, "We have to change our business model in order to, you know." work with the studios who don't want to work with us. And then the business model has to completely change. And, and, and I just foresee like, like, I don't know when Regal comes back because that, that's what this is, is like, we're closing down temporarily to be reopened at some time in the future. We don't know when. And, um, but I just cannot imagine them coming back and it being just how it was. I, I think things have to change.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I've, 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 I don't want to say I've long believed cause it hasn't been sure. long, but I, yeah. I am of the belief that this was all going to happen. Like theaters were going to yeah. close gradually. And now we, they've closed dramatically quickly because of everything that's going. because nobody, it's not just like a slow lack of interest in the theater experience as, as the status quo. It is yeah. we, You can't go to theaters. There's nothing to see. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. and,
1: uh, so that is accelerated and it has not given them enough time to think of an alternative or to build up their existing business model. And so of course, now you have all these massive closures, mass layoffs and AMC isn't closing, but their stock dropped, dropped like 10 points or 10%, something, something huge yeah. it dropped yeah. because, well, geez, what are they worth now? Because if theaters are starting to close, they're not, they're not worth any, right any money exactly. and and, and uh, or any stock. And um, I uh, I think that I don't think we'll come back full blast how we were. I think we come back and you know, because it just it, would, it probably would just cost so much to even buy back, buy up all those properties again, and you're better off just pick strategically going. Okay, we're gonna come back, but we're gonna have to build from the ground up. And if we're gonna build from the ground up, why don't we focus on this amount of screens, let's put some food in there, let's get a bar in there, let's 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 liven up this experience. Because if we're gonna make this investment worth it, we have to diversify our business yep. model. And the example I pointed out in the in the podcast was um, like a theater that had a restaurant in it where you could yeah. go dine in before you go into the movie, or you could just dine sure. in there and not see a movie. But then sure. I thought, well, that's a pretty thin margin too. Maybe that's not the best example of a, of a right. business that would thrive during a pandemic. But, but, but the idea is still there, which is these the theater experience can still be the theater experience in terms of seeing a movie with a crowd, but the, the, the building, the real estate that's going to house a theater has got to be, diversified um because as we've seen i mean it was already dying a slow death because people were the experience is less special so you gotta make it more special to the common moviegoer and especially because people just have less walking around money in general
0: and and i would agree i think it's such a weird situation because there's no other business like like if you look back at like circuit city you know before they went went under it's like there's no other business where a a you like an entire uh an entire grouping of of products is being kind of pushed out like that 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 market doesn't work the the business model doesn't work so i don't know let's put ice cream in it you know what i mean like imagine if best buy is like we fell on hard times so now we serve meals here yeah like that's such a weird concept but with the with the movie theater like that's a logical step but it's still illogical i think to some theater owners to say like i'm not in i'm not in the restaurant business you know what i mean like for them to for them to just like concede and say this business that I thought I had, which was movies, because I love movies. Now I have to be a restaurant too, in order to compete. It's such a strange world to be in, but, um, but yeah, you're right. Like you have to make it an experience and for too long. And I'd say, especially in the last, you know, 20 years, the theater has been largely disposable. It's, it's, you know, uh, it's run by people who don't quite know what they're doing or don't take pride in it anyway and as digital took over from film um now it's all automated to the point where you oftentimes don't even have a projectionist there yeah um like a projectionist comes in sets the shows and leaves and 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 there's not somebody there who can like fix things on the fly and um And that, that just, I think takes away from the experience. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you do other than put in food or a bar or I don't know, like some sort of weird retail thing or like whatever you do, but essentially it's making it a different business. We just also happen to have movies and that's really weird, but that's kind of the way it's going to have to go. And, and another thing is like you had mentioned the screens. Yeah, I think, I think the multiplex will die. I think, I think the 18 screen deal is going to go away and, and like three or four is your sweet spot where you can, you can have, you know, you can have enough like you can screen enough to make money but you're not screening to empty audiences either because that's the other thing is like you think about like these theaters that are open from like 9 a.m to 11 p.m yeah and 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 how many screenings during the day are empty or have like one person and and if you were to change that and say okay look even the big movies like avengers we're gonna put avengers and uh on the rotation, and we're mm. going to screen it on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. And it's all, it's all like after you get off work times, yeah. you know, it, it's not like, you know, 9am yeah. because, because no one's going to come see it, even Avengers. Right. And, and, and even if they were, why not, like, why not take the, the people who would have seen it at 9am and say, sorry, you have to see it at 7pm with everybody else. Yeah. And then it's like a packed house every every night because it's, there's fewer offerings. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think there's got to be some some change to the business model because at least then, like if they're not doing a, a 9 a.m. show, then they're not – they don't have to pay those utilities. Like the, the theater could, like the theater could literally open at five yeah. and close at eleven. Th- that saves you on staffing. That saves you on utilities. That saves so much wear and tear on your projectors and your uh, speakers and everything. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But yeah, I mean, the the truth is, I mean, things have to change. And and I think. Um, you, know, you and I were talking off mic w- What COVID has done is reveal problems rather than necessarily create them. Cause, yeah. Um, and, and maybe it has caused some, but but it's certainly
1: revealing problems. I'd say it's accelerated an existing yeah, problem. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it didn't. The theaters wouldn't have died this way. It wasn't like everyone was going to stop going to the movies. But it was right. the most dramatic worst case scenario. Like when you think about, oh, hey guys, by the way, the theaters are dying a slow death. Well, it's not like everyone's going to stop coming to the movies for several months. And then right. that's exactly what happened, but it, yeah. it's not like it would have, it's a, it's a freak accident, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean,
0: I, I can only think like if, if things had progressed normally, if, if COVID d- did not exist, yeah. um, I, I would have, at least by this point, I would have been to the theaters, you know, five or six times, mm-hmm. but I've been zero
1: times. I think, since I think, February. I think we were reaching a, we were reaching a nexus of, of all this, Culminating because you had, like you mentioned, these long hours that the theater is open. But we were—I keep thinking, like, what were we into? Like, what was going on? Because it's, it's hard for me to even remember in the same year that happened. But what was our big thing? What? What was our our telltale sign of excess sure. as as an, as American, you know, industry? What? What was it? And it was, it was, we're going to. Opening weekend now includes Thursdays and in some cases Wednesday Night at midnight and it's like yep. That's what, what was going to keep happening it was We've got to make more money at the theaters And so if, if, if The theater is if we're going to even put our film In theaters the theaters need to like show this thing like midweek to count towards the box. So box office was critical and theaters were like, please keep your movies coming to our studios because to our buildings, because we know you can put it on streaming. And that was a big thing happening right before this was the whole thing with universal and trolls. And that was already happening. And uh, COVID just accelerated that. Like, well, screw it. We'll just put it on VOD. And then that whole, that whole thing was, was a huge, a huge thing. And I think that, we would have gotten to a place where we've got we've got more and more movies playing earlier and earlier in the week, more and more screenings packed in into more and more screens and more and more teenagers who are not going to get more and more money to work more and more hours to service all of those. Right. And so what was going to happen was quality was going to go down and yeah, you make money. People are going into the theaters because you're giving them these opportunities but yeah. ultimately that would, have, that would have accelerated slightly the idea that this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't, this, yeah. this is an ordeal. I have to wait in line forever and the food sucks and i and i can't bring water in and there's kids here and it's late and it's a people beside me are annoying yeah and so like so the studios get what they want but not really because this is where we try to cross over we always try to be altruistic and idealistic about this experience where it's like yeah great the business goal is achieved asses and seats money and money and wallets That's great. But for us, the consumer and for the general idea of how this should go, best case is you have a dip in quality and, you're making money but people are having less fun at the theaters and they're going to stop yeah. coming and that's what yeah. was that's what's where we were when covid hit was we were shoving these movies into into the cinemas and we were we the, we the theaters and the and the studios were like we they've got opening weekend like jobs are on the line based on that and it's just yeah. it's it's bananas and so at least what's happened hopefully in the past few months is no one's gotten fired because a movie's performed poorly in the box office because the box office is irrelevant right now Mm -hmm. or it's still so relevant. You can't open your film like bond. They were like, this film needs to be seen by an audience in a movie theater. And it's like, again, there's a, there's double side. Oh, because you need to make the money, but also because you believe this should be seen in front of a a, a live audience, the live, you know, Mm -hmm. an audience. And, and, and so, but when, when your only measure for success is that experience, it becomes hard to, to accept any other way of it going down. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, I think to speak to the decline of
0: quality, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's this thing, like if you go to the theater, like proper, like to a live show and, and you are acting a fool in the, in the theater, like there are ushers that will come and escort you out. Yeah. There's somebody who will be like, I'm sorry, you're causing a disruption. You need to leave. Yeah, But But we've gotten to a point in in the movie theaters where like we don't we don't treat it with that level of respect. And so so it just adds to like the the, you know, it just adds to the decline of the experience because anybody can go in there, any, you know, 15 year old who had twelve dollars on their, uh, you know, on their person. And that's all the money they have their name and they just needed something to do. And mom just dropped them off like that. And then they just get in there and they act like crazy. And there's nobody who can say, I'm so sorry, you need to leave and you're not getting your money
1: back. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just, you know, it, it, it promotes that because there's no, there's no ramifications for ill behaved people. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a thing but they're going to have to, they're going to have to change when they come back. And I hope they realize that, um, I'm not holding my breath but you know i'm a big proponent of seeing films with an audience on mm-hmm. a big screen that's the only way the filmmaker can can guarantee their film is being exhibited properly even though a lot of times it isn't anyway um which is a whole another problem mm-hmm. but but that you know that experience should be preserved and so in 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 preserving it we're going to have to change it or else yeah. we're going to lose it. And so anyway, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm eager to see what happens.
1: The problem with scaling, like they did with movie theaters, is quality control. Any business is, yeah. when you scale fast, the problem is the problem is quality control. And yeah. they, they couldn't control the quality anymore. They're hiring teenagers to to oversee these things and make sure there's quality. And they're probably not giving them the tools or the motivation to to care about it. Whereas a place like the Crescent Theater in Mobile is run by a guy who's passionate about film, Mm-hmm. and who wants to present you a quality screening and wants to talk to you about the film and I really want to try get him on the podcast to be honest. Um, yeah, if yeah. anybody listening knows Max Morey, tell him I want to interview him. Um, but, <laughs> uh, uh, but I so there that's one end of the spectrum and Max shows like a, a, you know films that are you know wide release films that were kind of lesser known sometimes they'll show an anniversary screening like he he is the, the quintessential local cinema one mm-hmm. screen. You know, and, 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 and an art and an artistically minded person picks what we're watching. And then you have the Nexus in Westmobile, which is more commercial but still small run, and it has two screens and a bar upstairs with a trivia night, diversifying of, of business business model, uh great food, great drinks, um really convenient service, and mm-hmm. um a really nice cinema experience. And yeah. um and and their overhead is probably much lower than that of, 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 of Regal, you know, Yeah. and they probably pay their employees better and the tickets are a little pricier, but you get a way better experience. And, and whenever I think of going to the movies, the first place I think of is Nexus because that's the last time I had a good time at the movies. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about our, our films of the, of the night. Um, a couple of Netflix films for you. Um, Okay, cool. We'll be right back. CooperCast Movie Hour. (laughs) That okay. was <laughs> oh, so quick. Um, Got a good, healthy, healthy amount of industry talk there yeah. for you. Um, all right, Dustin. Let's get into a film that you saw, and this is Enola Holmes. My genius brother. He will have all the answers. Enola. Where's your hat and your gloves? Well, I have a hat. Just makes my head itch. And I have no gloves. My God. A wild woman brought up a wild child. who will make her acceptable for society. She seems intelligent. There are two paths you can take, Anola: yours, or the path others choose for you. It is time to find my mother. The game is afoot. I saw this film as well. You did. I saw it, Dustin. I didn't want to I tell you. I did not you.
0: know this. <sighs> no, oh, it's a surprise to me. Oh. Happy birthday. Uh, Enola Holmes is uh, is a is a movie, and uh, it was like what number one on Netflix for quite a while. Probably. It's probably still in their top ten. I'll double check, um, but it, it it's um, it stars Millie Bobby Brown as Sherlock Holmes and Mycroft Holmes' uh, baby sister. Um, Enola is raised by her mother, um, Eudoria Holmes, um, mostly after the death of her father, or presumed death maybe, and after Mycroft and Sherlock were grown and moved away. Um, So Enola is raised by mom, and raised to be smart, and fierce, and a warrior, and uh, and it, it and you're you're telling me it's currently at number
1: six. N- number six. It's fallen to number six due to a, a bunch of other um, okay. uh, recent Netflix releases like Ratchet and stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. so
0: number six, not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so Eudoria raises Enola to be a tough woman, and um, and then one day Eudoria goes missing, and so Enola now has to deal with uh, finding her. And uh, and escaping her older brother Mycroft, who wants to put her in a like a boarding school for young girls, yeah. And uh, and you know essentially take away all her freedoms and agency, and um, and so she uh, has to fight against this and find her mother, and she ends up finding actually another mystery, and uh, and so she gets embroiled in a couple different mysteries, and uh, all the while Sherlock is ever on her tail. Yes. So that, that's that's Enola Holmes. Um, I, I before we get into it, since you saw it, what's your star rating on this? I gave it a three. Okay. Yeah, I gave it a three.
1: Yeah. I I, I think I think I, I, I didn't think of it as high as a three when I saw it because it was just it was what I expected. It was it was a um it was just a very light, very in a way though kinda just quirky um, story that takes place in a familiar IP, even though in all homes, there is a book series that these are all based on. Um, so there is some sort of existing uh, yeah. uh, text for it. Um, and I gave it a three cause I was like, you know what, this is for kids. This isn't for people like me who love Sherlock and I love very serious mysteries. Um, yeah. And I love character exploration like yeah. in the BBC Sherlock mm-hmm. with this, person who I dangerously identify with emotionally. Um, and, uh, and, and with, 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 with humor, but not with like, well, you know, breaking the fourth wall, talking to the audience and giving all these exposition and and all Holmes is not for my sensibilities, but I'm not the target audience. Um, sure. And I, I think the whole time I was just like, I just want to see Sherlock Holmes, do stuff and and no and no offense to Enola or any of this, but I it became clear pretty quickly, like, this is not this is not what I'm looking for in a story. And I need to make sure I, I realize that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I would I would mostly agree. I mean there, there's a point where you start to wonder why Sherlock isn't taking the the center stage here. And it's the same thing if you watch like any anything that's sort of about a sidekick or like a younger version of a hero. Like mm-hmm. if you watch – I don't know if, if anybody listening dares to watch Supergirl or Batwoman or any of those kind of things where it's like – yeah, but where's Superman and where's Batman? And, and I don't even mean that in like a men do it better kind of way. I just mean it in like those are the characters that we've for so long followed and and for so long like we're, we're used to their presence in Gotham and in Metropolis or or whatever. And so uh, anytime, anytime you have something that kind of takes place around them, you run the risk as a writer. Like I wouldn't want this challenge because as a writer – I wouldn't want to have to juggle, how do I make Enola smart and capable and not make Sherlock seem like an idiot? (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Like that's the, that's the juggle. Like, and I wouldn't want that task to say like, I have to still make Sherlock smart and he has to be the smartest person in the room, even smarter than Enola. But Enola is my protagonist. So how do I, how do I make her one up him? every time. Um, that, that's not a challenge that I would want to take. And it's the same with, you know, Supergirl, Dustin, would you write an episode of Supergirl? Yeah, probably if you, but, but, but the, the thing is like at the end of the day, how do you write a story that doesn't degrade the other characters at the expense of this character? Yeah. That's a challenge that as a writer, I don't think I'm up for. Um, but having said that, um, yeah, I mean, it's OK. It's one of those stories like I I, I think I heard it best explained like this. Um, this is like those old uh, movies that were made in the 80s and in the 90s for kids and like adventure stories that they don't really make anymore. And, uh, and it's kind of a shame because like, you know, we grew up on some good, you know, adventure stories for kids. Yeah. And, uh, and they don't make them much anymore. I mean, you know, something like, like this is, uh, I'm not comparing this, but like the sandlot, like I still love the sandlot, but like, that's a movie that doesn't get made now. Right. Um, you know, it's just a, it's just an adventure movie about kids doing kids stuff and, you know, growing like, up. and growing up and like, you don't, you, you don't see that anymore. And so, so, I, I have missed that, yeah. and so Anola kind of hit that spot a little bit. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, um, this is this is a different interpretation of Holmes uh, of Sherlock and Mycroft. Um, you know, in in yet another disappointing link in the henry cavill chain he's (laughs) he's given a a super famous role and giving given absolutely nothing to do with it i know um and and at a point i just feel bad for him because i'm like man like he could be so good at a lot of things they just never give him a script i don't know if he's picking the wrong things or if he's just like blinded like i would be like oh i can play sherlock yeah sure i'm not even gonna read the script whatever um maybe he
1: hates himself (laughs) <laughs> I don't funny. deserve to talk. It's why he's taking all these roles. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. but I um I, I don't know. I, I mean it was fine, but at the end at the end of the day, it's not anything phenomenal, and I'll probably never watch it again and I'm okay with that. Um, right. And what uh, if they make more? Uh, I'm I might. I would have to hear about it first. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I don't know. I like Millie Bobby Brown. do too she does she does really well but like yeah but but so that's the draw of this for anyone who is on the fence about watching it like she's you know she's she's obviously you know terrific um i just i have a problem with there's a couple things if i were to nitpick and really look for good things i explained to my wife like there's a fight sequence with her and this guy that's pursuing her it's like I was like, you know, I appreciate that I never saw her like do anything that was physically not possible in terms of her, her, her stature and her, her, her upper yeah. body strength, which is a big yeah. mistake that a lot of female driven action films make is you have these women like lifting and throwing these big dudes. And it's like, that's not, it's not realistic, not realistic. you know, yep. unless, unless those, those women are Gina Carano or yeah. the, the other tall Lisa Leslie. I don't know. <laughs> and, sure. sure. And, uh, but like. So that they made sure to keep her things like intellectually based, like not so much, yep. not even strategic physical. It's like she's not a martial artist. She's just a clever person yep. who is trying to escape this guy. And so I appreciated that they didn't take any like stupid action liberties with that. But even yep. then, I was like, yeah, but I, I kind of want more intrigue out of a have a home story. And It was mostly just her talking to the camera. Like it just it felt kind of kind of weird I guess and and I, and I, was I wasn't in a mystery that. with her it was like yeah where is she it's like well my mother always said this and then we have this information dump which is like yep. this is a bunch of information that we didn't have as the audience which is what you always say about mysteries and, and things like that is you need to put this stuff in front of us and, and even the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes is guilty of doing that mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah I mean that's that's one one reason that the BBC Sherlock has been as popular as it has been. It's is, so
1: good. It's popular because it, it's great. It's, it, it's so great. good. They, they
0: give they give the audience a fair opportunity for most of the episodes, a fair opportunity to yeah. solve the mystery mm-hmm. along with Sherlock, um, while still like visualizing what's happening in his mind. And they do some of that here, which is, which is nice. Um, the, the, the device where she talks to the camera initially really annoyed me. Yeah. Um, because it felt really anachronistic to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, It it, because because you're drawing attention to a camera that doesn't exist in the time period that the movie is set in. Yeah. And and also it just doesn't fit like tonally like you. It's anachronistic in that you wouldn't usually see this type of filmmaking in this type of period piece. Correct. Um, I agree
1: 100%.
0: It feels more like something you'd see in like a 90s rom-com, right, where where like it's a young girl at school and she looks at the camera and says, now look at this nerd. (laughs) No one understands me yeah and it's like some nerd with like broken glasses or whatever like that's how it would be in the 90s
1: this is this is the those are the first two things we come up with dustin of what what was it was a high school girl thinking and one of them is look at this nerd and the other is nobody (laughs) understands me (laughs) that's that's what we think happens accurate but
0: uh <laughs> i mean i'm not going to say we hit the nail on the head but uh we hit the nail on the head um and and yeah i i don't know it, it just feels weird but like it grew on me and and i guess at least it was consistent that it did it like yeah. it would have been a lot worse if it was like really inconsistent like for instance um i also just recently watched mulan the the live action one and and the voiceover in that film is the worst thing ever because it happens like three times in the film oh from her and, dad yeah it's her dad and, <laughs> yeah. and it's like uh, the first time it's like who is saying any yeah. of this <laughs> yeah. and and then the second time it's like is this a memory or yeah. is he just narrating the story and the third time and the it's third legitimately time,
1: like i i'm still here you thought I was gone, but I'm still watching with you.
0: Right. And I'm like, this is really dumb. And so it's not consistent enough to be a device. It's it's like just inconsistent enough to be like, it's a know. We need some exposition, throw it in there. And so at least this was consistent and at least it, it, it did that throughout the film. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll give it that, but it does feel anachronistic to me. Um, I don't know if you want to go into spoilers on this, um, but but I will say this. In terms of it, so, at the end of the film, there's there's essentially two mysteries that are running parallel to one another, um, and so. It's sort of uh, like Enola trying to solve both of them, um, but getting distracted by one over the other. And then, and then, what weirdly happens is at the end, one of these mysteries is kind of just not solved, but just kind of dropped in her lap in a weird way. And and that really bothered me. And I think it makes for a really unsatisfying ending because. it, it You've built this thing up for her to be like a master sleuth and then for her to just be given an answer, even though it doesn't answer everything, it for it not to be like of her own doing, really, it, it feels really unsatisfying to You're me. referring
1: to the, the apartment.
0: Yes. But,
1: yeah, I felt the same way. I felt like, oh, well, geez, that was a lot of hard work for all you had to do is go home and. There's the answer.
0: Well, because it's not tied to her development as a character. No, it's just like dumped in her lap because I guess as a reward for doing the other, but like some sort of weird cosmic reward, but it's it's like an
1: allegorical reward. Like you've, you've, you've put the, you put the time in, you've actually like, you like in a way, like you, you've developed as a person. So now the answers shall come to you. It's like, yeah. but these answers are in the form of like solving this mystery, yeah. By just head going going back to where you were staying these past couple of right. days,
0: right? But but like that would never have happened in a Conan Doyle story. Like Sherlock would never just like come home and the answer just be there and he'd yeah. be like, oh 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 yeah, no. that's it. Good like thing I had he, to poop. Right. right. It, <laughs> with with a Conan Doyle story, like it would have ended with like okay the th- the person shows up in the apartment cool uh, but also sherlock has one last twist for the audience because oh, right. he figured this out pages ago and enacted some secret thing yeah and th- and then it becomes clever again but but even then it's like you got to you got to tie it to development you have to tie it to their hard work as like a a uh, a culmination of their own skill
1: i don't know yeah
0: but but yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much more to say. I mean, it's it's well performed. Um, like I said, I wish Henry Cavill had more to do. Um, it, it, and and I miss um, so Sam Claflin plays um Mycroft Holmes. He 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 does not hold a candle to Mycroft on uh, the BBC's Sherlock, who I think oh, is played man. by Mark
1: Gaddis, Is that correct? Mark Gaddis, he's so good on, he's on so the show. He's so good and
0: slimy yeah. and like. So good. such a um, bastard. He is. Like, you just want to hate him. Yeah. Um, but, like, Helena Bonham Carter does does a good job here. Um, you know, there's a couple more Harry Potter uh, faces. Um, but uh, – and, and they all do fine. But at the end of the day, uh, it just seemed like um, – it just seemed like filler and maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's foundation and, and the sequel will be better. Um, should there be a sequel? But, um, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, three stars. It's fine. Again, I won't watch it again, but I don't regret having watched it. I might. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, what's weird. What? Um, Frances Della tour is in this film. Um, she plays the grandmother. Okay. Um, and, and she played, um, madame maxine in um goblet of
1: fire oh wow
0: yeah and and what's weird is wow. like i didn't recognize her
1: speaking and of so, tall women
0: yes yeah right <laughs> i didn't recognize her and in this film and when when she was on screen i said to sarah "Jeez, where'd they find this lady she looks just like michael gambin and then <laughs> and then come to find out she was maxine and i was
1: like oh okay well all right
0: all right. I guess uh, I guess that's that's where you go when you're in a Harry Potter movie. You just start to age like Michael Gambon.
1: Yeah. I think that the the about corner is really like slumming it lately. And she, aside from like the crown, I think that she sure. is sort of like, you know, what? people just kind of like me and I'm just going to yeah. sort of take a few I'm roles go for, for the it. next like six yeah. years. That's just purely exist on people's like my likability. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be in Cinderella. Yeah. I'll be in old home. Sure. She's, she is really likable, but what's weird about yeah. Helena Bonham Carter is she's likable and she's
0: hateable. Oh yeah. like She can do both.
1: Yeah. She, know. Yeah. I do not want to underscore her talent. She's, she's underrated as, as an actress.
0: Oh, oh totally. Every time she's I see great. her in
1: something, I'm, like every, every time I see her name, I was gonna say on the call sheet, um, on the, on the, on the <laughs> cast list. I'm always like, Oh, okay. This is probably worth checking out. Yeah, exactly. She's great. Yeah. She's a scene stealer for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, for a final film of the night, uh, I want to talk about a documentary that I watched uh, the other night. This is on Netflix, and it is called "An American, Mur- Sorry, American Murder, The Family Next Door.
0: My name's Nicole, and I'm calling because I'm concerned about a friend of mine. I dropped her off at her house at 2 in the morning last night, and I haven't been able to get a hold of her this morning. I've gone to her house and her car is there. She won't answer phone calls. She won't answer text messages. What's her name? Shanann Loft. There's only one person in this room that knows what the truth is. And in about five minutes, there's going to be two of us.
1: This is a true crime documentary film directed by Jenny Popplewell quite a bubbly and a positive name for such a dour subject. This say is, sounds British. I don't know. If an American murder. Yeah. Um, those Brits are coming over here and taking all our stuff all the taking time. All taking all our murders. <laughs> <laughs> our murders. You, you didn't get enough of your own murders with Jack the Ripper. You had to come over here and take all <laughs> Steal of our, our murders, domestic murders. Right. <laughs> um, this is a, a true story, true crime, um, about a, um, in t- this is 2018. This is again very, very recently. Um, the Watts family murders, which took place in Frederick, Colorado. Um, I think it was during the summer. Anyways, uh, two years ago, and um, and th- this is what is currently number one trending on Netflix. Is is this documentary? Mm-hmm. Um, I it, it's about sorry the 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 story is that um, there was. Uh, it initially began as what was believed to be the disappearance of Shanann Watts and her two daughters. Um, and, uh, and then it became known pretty quickly that something more nefarious had happened. Um, it's hard to talk about this documentary without telling you what happened. Um, I will say that I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to spoil it, but I, I do want to speak about it freely enough. I mean, I, I look. I know what happened, so okay, don't worry so, about me. Right. Okay. So I, I'm so,
0: familiar with the story. Right. Yeah.
1: So I, I, I had remembered what happened because I'm. Yeah, I am going to spoil this. I'll just tell people real quick. I gave this a four and a half star. I thought it was really well done, and I think if you're into true crime, which if you're listening and you're a female, you probably are. Um, <laughs> women are just into true crime.
0: Generalization there, but is uh, it, uh, but it, I, it's a generalization, no, it, 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 it's is a generalization wife, but it doesn't mean it ain't true. Is your wife into true crime? She most definitely is. Okay, there we go. So is mine. <laughs> That's it. Those are the only two I, women I that will, matter.
1: <laughs> she,
0: I'll come home and she'll be like nodding off to and those stab wounds. Yeah, and I'm like, what the Sarah. <laughs> what are you doing?
1: Sarah? <laughs> no, nah. um, yeah, uh. It's, it's, it's a, it's a very solid entry into anyone who's, who's into that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I remember this because I, I remember this, 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 this made national news. I saw this on the morning yeah. show and I, I, rem, I remember there's a specific part in the documentary. So, so one day the friends can't get a hold of Shanann. They can, you know, there's wellness check. They're not there. The kids are gone too. And car, her car is there. Her phone is there. And it's like, what what's, what's going on? husband you know, you know the cops are there the husband comes home and he's like i don't understand where they go blah blah, blah. and so it's like a missing persons thing so then he talks to the media the the news comes to his house and i remember i was telling my wife i was like there's the porch i remember that porch because he he sat there he, he crossed his arms he, he he gave an interview on his porch and he's just standing there and he has like this weird grin on his face like not like a but mm-hmm. like, like a, like a nervous grin, I guess, whatever. But yeah. he's just talking about like, I, I just, I want them home. I just, whoever's got them, if she, if they've been taken, come home. If if she, if she left, come home, please. I just want to see my family again. And, um and I remember the director, when we were looking, we were playing the soundbite, he was like, he did it. He <laughs> <laughs> was just, he was just like, something is not right about him. I think he yeah. did it. And I was like, you think so? And he was like, Oh yeah, just look at him. Yeah, and uh, and he he did he did yeah. do it. And he's not uh,
0: very good at covering covering himself
1: up. Right. Some people have have since reviewed this documentary, and they're like, "He's the dumbest criminal around." I don't think he was that <laughs> dumb, but he definitely. This case was solved relatively quickly. Um, yeah. Uh, but what's, what's special about the documentary, I think is, cause again, you, we know the outcome, we know the perpetrator, but you don't know all the details you don't get, you haven't, we haven't seen the body cam footage. And the, the most interesting thing about this documentary is that this is most documentaries talking heads, voiceover, no talking heads in this documentary, mm. no voiceover from a narrator. There's just some title cards, maybe just to mm. orient you on a few things, but the rest of it. Sure is entirely exposited through body cam footage. There's extensive body cam footage from the officers. There's extensive, um, interrogation camera footage. There's a lot of context, emotional, um, and, 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 um, emotional, uh, um, and, uh, logistical context from, um, Facebook videos because Shanann was very active on social media and she was very like open on social media about like anxiety and and struggles and stuff like that. So a whole lot of what they were going through as a couple is out there Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a whole lot of logged, you know, phone interviews from the police, uh, just from, from friends and stuff, orienting all the, uh, what's going on with them. So it's a very well done story told that, you know, they arranged it and they didn't have to do any voiceover. And I just think that that's really interesting to see a film that, uh, Mm -hmm. to see a documentary that, that doesn't feel like a extended news report, which is what most documentaries just by, by default of their, their yep. um their format are sure this isn't and I thought that that mm. was cool um it's uh oh, oh. so I think it's well done I th- I think there was a few times where I just I I I lost it because you, you know at a certain point you you think about whether people are sad because these the children were killed and then like mm-hmm. eventually you get down to like to you know, he's telling. You know, him slowly admitting what happened, and the 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 different ways he tries to lie and tries to cover it up. And at one point, he claims, and he tried to put out there. And that was in like the official charges. And so this got out into the public because of the trial that he was claiming that his wife had killed their kids and that he killed her out of like he just in a blind rage, like he then killed her. And so for a, a minute there, people, people believed that because that's what this yeah. dude said. And then it was just, and then finally it was just like, no, she didn't do that. She didn't hurt them. She didn't lay a finger on them. That was you. Yeah. And, and just all essentially for an affair, and, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so it's it's just uh, I don't you know it's normally I can tell you like well here's what the moral of the of the doc here's what this documentary is about you know mm-hmm. be careful of prescription drugs hey be careful about you know social media this one there's no moral I mean there's sure. it's it's mostly about I guess marital struggles, but you know, the film makes a point to talk about how, how many of these things, um, these domestic, these, these, these domestic killings are severely premeditated, which is of course disturbing. Um, and, uh, all I could think of afterwards was just how, how tragic this story was is. And, um, just the idea of someone, hurting their kids like that is appalling to me and um and uh it's 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 sad so it's it's not like a you don't watch it and go well everything's gonna be okay you you Mm -hmm. you watch it and you you're kind of you're kind of in a in a in a haze you know and it was yeah it was uh, it was an experience. So yeah. I would say that if you are if you are into true crime and you're you're able to stomach like ha- endings that aren't happy, details and yeah, yeah. details and, and I don't even say it's that graphic. It's just like it's just horrible. It's not like yeah. it's yeah. not like horror movie like shriek shriekable kind of stuff. It's just mm. it's terrible. Those kids were smothered and their dad did it to them. Yeah, there's videos yeah. all throughout the movie of like them like you know on social media singing songs about their dad playing with their dad they loved their damn dad and mm-hmm. yeah um so that's 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 hard to watch but um yeah but for it's, sure. it's a really well done documentary and um yeah so I, I guess I'm having a hard time framing it as not morbid curiosity, but that's why these things are even made to begin with, you know? I don't, I
0: don't even think it's morbid curiosity. I mean, it's, it it can serve a lot of purposes. Um, I mean, I guess maybe that's one, but I, it's also like informative in that, like, look at these warning signs and be aware of what's going on around you. And don't take it for, for granted that like, you know, don't take anything for granted, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's rough, man. But yeah, I remember the story and I remember it's just so rough and like, um, I know we, we've been wanting to watch this one. Uh, we just haven't gotten around to it. Um, but it is one of those things. It's like, well, I know how it ends. And so the incentive to like dive back into it and watch it is, I mean, it's, There's not a lot of incentive other than like, you know,
1: it's 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 I guess it's always just interesting to to even when you know what happened to to just see for yourself the way these human beings just just emotionally what it looks like for someone to. I guess it's just the interest in human behavior that really gets you into something like this, like, wow, it's fascinating. He's still denying it like he failed a polygraph. He's still denying it. The woman who gives him the polygraph is a machine yeah yeah she she acts totally normal and gets in like all relaxed and stuff and then like after like the first question she's like i'm gonna need you to calm down you're like all over the place your levels are all over Mm -hmm. the place and she said to him before the thing like you know so here's how polygraph works but and just so you know if if you are hiding anything it would be really stupid of you to be here today taking this polygraph like that'd be a really dumb thing for you to do but yeah. but you're not dumb cuz you you're know? not going to beat it yeah right. And, right and 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 so he's just like sitting there like oh, shit you know and, and yeah i'm not dumb i'm smart yeah. i'm the smartest and of course he fails the hell out of it and so they come yeah. in and she immediately is like all right so you failed this polygraph so mm-hmm. I, and it's in the trailer she says like right now there's only one person in this room who knows the truth and in about 5 minutes there's going to be two yeah and she's just very confidently like like not even intimidating. Like that's the thing. Tara, Tara was, was moved because she was like, I'm just, I guess I'm just struck by how, how kind they're being to him. There's no good cop, bad cop, like, you know, like intimidation factor here because that's not what gets people to confess. You got to, you you know, it doesn't work and it's not really humane either. You know, they, they just, they don't know. They're trying to get the truth out of this guy. And, um, and, and so even when he fails the polygraph they still got to be like what happened just tell us what happened right. you know and it's it's really it's it's heart wrenching and i got you know like i said it got me a few times and i just i just i guess i felt validated that i would never do that <laughs> you know like <laughs> you know it it was, right, uh, right, it, was right. it was nice to just remember that like, Hey, this, this already happened. This is out of my control. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching something, but like, this isn't happening right now. It was just weird to have to I... remind myself of that. So anyway, that's, that's American murder. It's, I, I don't know if they're going to make more of these, if American murder is like a series title and they have got subtitles for different story. I don't know if this is going to be a docu series. I suppose it could be. And I'm supposed, I suppose they, you know, equal quality from those other ones, but I, I I only watched this because I remembered the story as it yeah. happened in real time. And, you know, if this had been a completely new thing, I don't know that I would have gone for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, that's the one there. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I think, the, I think we'll pull, I think we'll, Oh boy, I don't want to leave it there, but I don't have much else to, <laughs> to talk about. I mean, we don't have time for any, any other movies tonight. So, right. um, yeah. Uh, I've got, uh, Dustin, you gonna you gonna watch the social dilemma. Yeah. I'm going to try to watch it this week. And so maybe we can talk about that next week. Yeah, I've got that. Um, there's a documentary also on Netflix, just like the social dilemma. Uh, it's called take your pills. It's not recent, but that's on there too about Ritalin. I saw that. Uh, so I might talk about that. Um, and I am in the middle of rewatching the Ides of March, which is a, George Clooney movie. It's about Mm -hmm. politics and uh um and maybe one or two other uh home viewings.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm about halfway through um the murder on the Orient Express, the newest the newer one. Mm -hmm. Um so I may I may be able to talk about that next time. Awesome.
1: Yeah. By the way, one of the things that I did think of during Enola Holmes was how much I really wanted to watch the BBC Sherlock again. Right, I got at least the first two seasons on Blu-ray, and I think the other—I don't know where the other seasons are, but um, I think they're all on Netflix. Man, there's just there's just so much fun.
0: I know they're if so you've good. you've never
1: seen that show. You guys are missing out. You gotta check it out. This this is yeah, this was Ben the Cumberbatch before he was like anybody.
0: Yeah, Freaking it was fun. like well he was becoming somebody, so that it was like it, it, this is what made him he become was a somebody. Nobody. He could have been the contender.
1: A nobody from nowhere. some kind of cumberbatch you want to be a star you gotta do the films and you gotta be the sherlock you gotta be the smaug (laughs) you better smaug it up boys smaug this joint with me (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right uh, that's it all right dustin thank you Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you for, for doing the show, and thank you for contributing to that strange joke. <laughs> yes, you are welcome. Smog it up. Smog it up. Sm- smog this weed, or we have a problem. <laughs> now I want to see smog movies. <laughs> this, is, oh. this is angel dust. <laughs> you smog this, or we have a problem. <laughs> okay. Okay. <Yeah>. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>